Hey, everybody, welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Timmy Gibson. I get to be the host of my very own show because technology is dope. Uh, So I don't know much about history when it comes to um, American, even American history and just civilization history. And I mean, I'm talking about like in the last, you know, even 500 years anyway. So with the Russian, um, Ukraine war happening, uh, there's a friend of mine that just is super knowledgeable about stuff. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give him a call this morning, calling Steve, Steve Janky to, uh, to get some, get the lowdown. Oh, Steve. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good, man. Welcome to the Timmy Gibson show. How are you doing today? Oh, doing good. Just a quiet Sunday with the kids. How yeah. you doing? Yeah, fantastic. I, uh, I don't know much about history. And so, you know, as you know, every time there's something going on in the news, I always call Steve <laughs> and say, Steve, cause you know, you study history and, and have really in, you know, uh, and enjoy all that and, uh, and are super knowledgeable, uh, at least con- considering super knowledgeable, meaning as a, as just a layman, you know, uh, this is not something you do for a living. It's, it's just a kind of a hobby and an interest. And, uh, yeah. so I, I don't even know how really how to ask it, except how I asked it, you know, the last time I called you when I was like, what, what is happening with Ukraine and Russia? <laughs> like why? What is happening? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Russia, as far as they're concerned, they're putting the Soviet Union back together. You know, Putin wants to put the band back together. Um, uh, you know, Ukraine broke off after and became pretty much independent after the Russian-Ukrainian war back in the 90s. And uh, Russia's been trying to get it back for a while. You know, and we all remember the Crimea back in 2014. You know, and... Uh, you know, from what Russia sees, they want to control more of the Black Sea coast and, uh, you know, start, try, you know, honestly, a lot of it is Putin's kind of a psycho and he kind of wants to put the, put the old Soviet Union back together before he leaves Russia, you know, before he passes or, you know, someday see it back to its old glory, you know? Yeah. I mean, is it like, again, this is just, it's ignorance. I have no idea. But what is so valuable to Putin? in your ukraine like why would he want that well ukraine's kind of been a thorn in his side um you know there's two things a lot of the republics the former soviet republics around ukraine have already joined nato ukraine voted against joining nato in 2010 but you know Putin was seeing NATO bumping up against his borders, and uh, I think he's kind of thinking, "I need to move on, move on Ukraine before they join NATO." I think, you know. Oh, so okay. Again, I'm assuming there's a even maybe a couple people out there listening to the podcast who are uneducated when it comes to all this stuff. What is NATO? <laughs> 
Alberta is an alliance of about 30 countries, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And uh, during the Cold War, they, they, they were kind of a counter to the Soviet bloc. And, you know, with NATO, it's attack on one is an attack on all. So, you know, if, uh, say, Russia moved into Germany after moving into Ukraine, you know, we would be obligated by treaties along with 28 other countries to retaliate and uh, help help Germany fight off the Russians. Okay. So it's more of a, yeah, it's, it's a protection thing. Like, like, like if me, if I was like, Hey Steve, listen, you and I are going to have a treaty that, you know, anybody that comes against me comes against us. Anybody that comes against you, it, you know, like, and then you band together and it makes you stronger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but, uh, but, you know, they also, they're kind of a double-edged sword, you know. I mean, anybody who studies history in World War One knows that mutual defense treaties are kind of how we all ended up in a world war over the assassination of one of Archduke Francis Ferdinand and a shithole Eastern European country, you know. Yeah. You know, and that's a lot of the reason we're not willing to do any military support with Ukraine directly is because, you know, the treaty also means that the U.S., could not act unilaterally against Russia without NATO being obligated to participate as well. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, an initial attack like Tomahawk cruise missiles and such in there, you know, would not necessarily be us going to war with Russia, but Putin would surely retaliate. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you, do you, uh, I know predictions are worthless on some level, but do you think this is going to escalate beyond just Russia and Ukraine? I mean, is this going to be... Yeah, I don't know. You know, a lot of people say China's going to be eyeing Taiwan, and, uh, you know, if, if we don't do anything in Ukraine, China's going to take Taiwan. But I, mean, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people realize, like, you know, we, like stuff like Taiwan, we're, we're obligated by treaty to defend it. If, if China invaded Taiwan, we would go to war with China, and, you know, they would get their asses kicked, you know. And the same thing with Russia, you know, if he pushed in on in Eastern Europe, we would go to war with Russia, you know. But you know, the big problem is is we would we would we would over time by such an overwhelming amount, most people don't even realize how strong the US military is comparatively, they would surely start with, you know, surely start and see they couldn't win and then news would be fine. And you know, so that's that that's where you know, that's why we're kind of really trying to stick to diplomacy and not any direct involvement. You know, we're supplying weapons, we're getting sanctions, but we really don't want to get involved directly with Russia or China or you know, anyone, hopefully, militarily. Right. Yeah, I've often, you know, it's weird. I, I had thought that we were moving away from, and again, this is just my ignorance here, but, I, you know, I felt like we were sophisticated enough that, you know, we were going to get away from kind of the hand-to-hand combat type war and thought that warfare would turn more cyber and that was going to be what the modern day war would look like, you know, the cyber attacks and hackers, you know, and just, which I know that's probably, that is a part of war and that's been being done, uh, between, you know, with, with, uh, Russia and Ukraine. I know there's been cyber attacks and we've had cyber attacks here on, uh, in America and some people, mm-hmm. some security people you talk to, that's their biggest fear. I forget what the percentage is, but I want to say some 80% of, of 
things that protect us are, you know, online. And then not only that, there's some, no, I'm sorry. I think I got the percentage wrong. 80% of the cyber, the things that, that we have in cyber are owned by individuals or owned by companies. In other words, it's not the government. It's a private, the private sector that kind of like prisons, you know, prisons, you think of federal prisons or you think of, you know, jails and prisons as being the government, governmental owned, but it's like, no prisons are, they're privately owned. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you look at Russia shut down a pipeline, you know, the pipeline in the uh, southeast last year, if you remember, people I do. were about to fly out of Florida and stuff like that, you know, yeah, that's a, you know, I mean, that, that, that was carried out against a private company, you know, I mean, most of our, most of our infrastructure that deals with energy transfer is private company, rail, you know, even transportation, rail transport, trucking companies, all that stuff, you know, and so, you know, uh, you know, and, and honestly, most of the modern conflict with superpowers does result in kind of cyber wars. I mean, we've been in a full-on cyber war with Russia for a couple of years, you know, for a while now. But um, right. you know, I mean, because you don't, you're not going to see. You know, I, I don't, I don't see two superpowers willingly going to war. Their economies are too interdependent, and uh, you know, the weapons have become so advanced that. Uh, I mean, honestly, like a full-scale world war, like what we saw in World War II, would be devastating, you know, globally. I mean, you know, not, World War II is devastating globally, but at least somebody won. But you know, I mean, once somebody's looking at losing a world war now, what do they do? They start popping nukes, and you know, once they pop nukes, everybody pops nukes, and then everybody loses. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting, Steve, because it's it's you know, war to me, it just seems so foreign, honestly, pardon the pun, but it just seems so, you know, even though the, the, you know, I'm 52. So, you know, I remember the, the Gulf war, I remember, you know, the weapons of mass destruction thing. I mean, I, you know, it's not like I'm unfamiliar with, I don't know if you call that war, but what invasions or whatever you call that. But when I think of like, you know, world war one, world war two, you know, where like that, I, you know, like my, again, after the last two years, I would never say never, <laughs> but there's, it, I would almost think that could never happen. But cause like, just like you said, I don't feel like anyone could really win. It would just be a lose, lose. If like you said, if two superpowers got, you know, world, if we went to world war three, like you said, it would just be global catac. It'd be terrible. Mm-hmm. And for what? Like it would be just if someone just didn't care, I guess, and they were like, just let's just destroy it all. Like if I guess if they had that kind of attitude, then then I guess they would want to start World War Three. But I think most people, you know, they don't want to do that. Oh yeah, I mean, because you know, I mean, if World War Three breaks out, I mean, the winner is whoever gets the nicest cave in South Southern Africa for the nuclear winter for the next thousand years. You know, I mean. You know, there would be no winner, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the days of set-piece battles are pretty much over, and a lot of that's due to the fact that, you know, I mean, first of all, like, if we had a war with Russia, if we had a war with Russia and China, you know, between the two of them, they have four carrier battle groups, and the U.S. has 11, you know. Wow. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we are the, the, we are the superpower. Us, but, 
Huh? Like, so we are the superpower. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, a lot of people that are worried about China and Taiwan during this time don't even realize that, you know, there's two U.S. carrier groups from the U.S., two from Japan, and one from uh, Britain because they didn't want to feel left out but just started exercises in the South China Sea. So that means we've just collected the largest display of military might on Earth's ocean, you know, the largest destructive force on Earth's ocean since the moon broke off. And it doesn't even register in the news, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's some articles about it, but it's buried, you know, because it's not even noteworthy anymore, you know. Yeah. But yeah. yeah uh, I just, I, I, yeah, I'm just so, so is it, it's an understatement or it's true that, I mean, Putin, he's a psycho or what? Like what's, is he Hitler reincarnated? I mean, is this. Is he that bad? Oh my! You know, even the people that study Putin for a living, like that's what they do. Their life is we study that Vladimir Putin's Russia. I'm like, yeah, he's insane. You know, and the thing is, a lot of people don't forget. You know, I mean, my generation hardly remembers the USSR. You know, right? Putin was the head of the KGB. <laughs> you know? Wow! And so, yeah, you know, so. This is all of a sudden Cold War politics popping up after they've been dormant almost since 1991. You know, I mean, this is the first meaningful invasion that Russia's carried out that really got our attention. You know, I mean, they moved into Georgia, but, you know, that part of that, that part of the world's always been kind of a mess, you know, I mean, but, uh, you know, this is the first time, you know, we've really stood at a the Russians and, you know, tried to get them to back down and they didn't. You know, and I think that's what makes a lot of people more nervous than than any other conflict Russia's been involved in in the 21st century. You know, is yeah. uh, you know, we tried to use our influence and it did absolutely nothing. You know, so now we're looking at sanctions, but you know, sanctions are a double-edged sword. If we actually sanction Russian hydrocarbons, you know, uh, oil exports, you know, we yeah we wipe out 80 percent of their exports. But it would also take 12% off the global supply and we'd be in a pretty big crunch, you know? Interesting. So it's, it's kind of like cutting off the, the nose, despite the face kind of a scenario. In other words, we're doing this to sanctioning Russia and Putin personally, but then we're affected inadvertently. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, the thing is with sanctions is, uh, Russia historically has not really cared that much if it's peasant starved. You know, um, six dollars a gallon gas in the U.S. and our government will have a problem this fall. You know, right, right. Yeah, that's gosh. You know, I, I, I've just thought to myself, ha, hasn't Putin been in charge for thirty-one years? Is that right? Or oh yes, yes, he's now president for life. Right? Wow, that's yeah, he, just he, insane. He always won the elections by such an overwhelming majority. He just decided not to have them anymore and save some money. <laughs> wow. I mean, that seems so, again, foreign to, to, you know, that'd be like, yeah, just someone Biden saying, guys, I'm the president forever, which of course with Biden wouldn't be that long, but you know, it's like, if they're like, if, if Hunter, Hunter, Bi Hunter, uh, Biden, you know, if he, you know, took over. And then he's like, I'm it forever. That's, that's just 
fascinating. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, that's fascinating. And, and the thing is, it's something like a normal American doesn't really understand. You know, and that's one big problem with this war is we're looking at through the eyes of people who've grown up in a Western democracy during the largest time of prosperity in history. You know, and so like our side's obviously right. We take better care of our people. I mean, you hear about people starving to death and rush former Soviet republics all the time. And you know, if that happened in America, we'd ship food to them, obviously. And I honestly think that's true. Sure. But you know, we don't see the flip side of the coin. Like, you know, uh, you know, my kids were asking me the other day, you know, why aren't we helping Ukraine? Why aren't we, you know, sending troops into Ukraine? And you know, the thing is, you know, a lot of people don't realize there's a large swath of Ukraine that Russian control to them does not necessarily seem a bad thing, you know. Really? Um yeah, I mean, we're definitely looking at it through a different lens. Uh, you know, I mean, polls used to show that, you know, Ukraine is kind of divided as to whether they'd want support, want to support Russia or NATO. And, you know, they voted not to join NATO and they wanted to work with, you know, the Russian Republic and NATO. And, you know, so they've kind of been sitting on a fine line. And, you know, I think that uh, you can only tread that line so long, especially when Putin's on one side, right. <laughs> you know. So interesting, Steve. So you're you're telling me that the story that we're hearing is though correct in the sense of this is a, a, a not justified war. You know, Putin shouldn't have done this. I mean, it, all that is all true, but also there's some other things that are true as well, and that's that Ukraine was somewhat divided. Some wanted Russia to have it, take it over. Oh yeah, I mean that they're absolutely separatist regions in Ukraine that were pro-Russian. I, I mean, absolutely. They've been fighting their own government for years, you know, to, you know, reunify or at least support or, you know, have a closer ties to Russia. So is, okay, yeah. so Ukraine is, okay, again, this is my ignorance. This, uh, Russia, is this Europe? Yes, it's Eastern Europe. You know? Okay, it's Eastern Europe. So that's the country. Ukraine right. is the country. Yes. Okay. You, oh, Ukraine is its own country? Uh, for the next couple of weeks, yes. For the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then Russia is its own country. Yes, yes. This is one country invading another. Okay, okay. Huh. So well, Russia used to pretty much occupy Ukraine. You know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get kind of fuzzy on that area of the world map. But, you know, I mean, Russia used to occupy Ukraine. You remember Chernobyl, the huge nuclear accident with the Soviet reactor with yeah. the meltdown? Yes. Yeah, Chernobyl's located in Ukraine. They just fought a battle for control of Chernobyl, actually, you know, so. Okay. So, so far, Russia's big prize is a toxic waste dump. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is in actually the, the next two, yeah. So it's not that desirable. Like I want that trash heap, like what? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But so for the next couple of weeks, what you're saying, it seems there will no longer be Ukraine. It'll be turned into Russia. It's entirely possible. I mean, I'm sure Russia's gonna yeah, at the very least Russia's going to, uh, put in a puppet government and it's going to be, you know, basically a Russian vassal state, you know, basically, you know, I mean, basically they're going to impose a government that's friendly to Russia. And, you know, it's all about 
their ties to, you know, Mother Russia and such. But, you know, I mean, honestly, unless something amazing happens, Ukraine stays being an autonomous nation are pretty much going to be wrapped up. I mean, there's no way Russia's going to thumb their nose at the world, take a bunch of sanctions, roll in anyway, and then just go home. Right. Huh. Now, the, the sanctions, will they, is it, can we really cripple them through sanctions alone? And we would, so there's that question. Then the second question is, is there any way that we would send troops over or is that just not going to happen? Uh, we're not going to send troops over to Ukraine. We're already sending tro- troops to NATO countries bordering Ukraine, kind of to reassure the allies, hey, we're here, and also make sure the Russians know, hey, we're here, we're paying attention. You know, as far as crippling them with sanctions, it's going to be really, really hard to do unless we go after the oil and oil byproducts. You know, I mean, I've, I've actually looked into this earlier this week. Russia exports something like $230 billion of petroleum products a year. Their second largest export after petroleum and petroleum byproducts is charcoal briquettes at like $17 billion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, there's, yeah, so after oil, the next biggest export is one-tenth of the size. I mean, you know, but if we go after the oil, it's going to make things awfully hard in uh, Europe because, you know, Europe gets most of the natural gas from Russia. And it's going to, you know, so, you know, that's why Biden keeps saying, trying to reassure the American public that we're going to try to carry out the sanctions of Russia without, you know, destroying our economy. But, Wow. Question is, can we? You know, I mean, this is kind of interesting because, you know, before, you know, before we would just embargo a country, you know, I mean, we, you know, we, we embargoed Cuba, you know, we, you know, and we'd say, nope, we're not buying anything from you. And, you know, we'd straight up blockaded countries in the past and said, nobody's buying anything from you. Yeah. But the, the global economy is so intertwined that, you know, nowadays you can't really do that, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like people, you know, when people talk about Russia and China joining up and going after the rest of the world. Well, you know, I mean, China has the second largest economy in the world after ours, and uh, they need to import a hundred billion dollars of grain a year. Russia exports eight billion dollars of grain a year. So, you know, the economics of it are the two couldn't combine and go against the rest of the world unless China's willing to starve to death for it. You know. Oh wow! It, See, that's a good thing, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, the intermixed economies are a good thing, to be honest with you, to a degree, because, you know, it keeps us from going to war with Russia, you know, because, you know, oh, God, if we shut down the oil, it would, you know, cause all these problems. You know, I mean, of course, Russia's also got nukes, but it's also a problem because it also lets us prop up oppressive regimes in Saudi Arabia to stabilize the flow of commodities out of there, which is, you know, so it's definitely a double-edged sword. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I just, I, I just, you know, I, I, I had thought, though, I did think it a little, a little, uh, odd whenever Putin said, no, I guess told Biden, no, we're not going to invade Ukraine. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, that sounds suspiciously like not the truth because <laughs> it's like, what are you going to say? Yes, we're going to invade tomorrow at noon. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, right before he invades, you know, I mean, right, you know, I mean, 
that was one thing where a lot of people were like, oh, he's a lying bastard. I'm like, uh, yeah, well, you probably lied too for getting ready to invade our neighbor. Or right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Normally, but. Right. <laughs> it's like, is there anything that Putin says that's true? It's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm so curious, you know, where this will go. Like I said, I, I, I'm not savvy with stuff like this, but when I first heard of it, my first just instinct was like, nah, it's not going to really happen, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, boy, was I wrong. And I guess a lot of people thought that, I mean, I talked to other people, you know, way smarter than me and they're like, yeah, I actually didn't think they'd go through with it either. So oh, I didn't think you would. I was like, man. I was going to invade, you know, the U.S. is going to invade our neighbor. I hope we wouldn't spend months building up forces along the border and, you know, taking pressure from the international community. You know, I'd like to think we just might win there. But, right. Yeah, of course, you know, again, though, that's, that's me looking at as American. You know, I mean, if, if you're wanting to strike a foreign country, I mean, within 24 hours of us making the decision, we would have, uh, you know, Tomahawk cruise missiles landing on the air defenses and stealth bombers are dumb. But, you know, Russia is a different story. You know, a lot of people don't realize Russia has an economy smaller than the state of New York's. Really? Uh, if Russia, yeah, if Russia was a U.S. state, it would be fourth in GDP. Wow. Yeah, uh, Ukraine would be 34th or 35th, right behind the state of Kansas. Huh. You know? <laughs> Yeah, and Russia's been rebuilding its military. Finally, it, it's, it, yeah, its military fell into disrepair after uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union. You know, I mean, they're stripping parts off Russian hulks to keep other tanks going, and they they were just getting to rebuild their military. It, uh, as a matter of fact, when the Chechen war came up, they tried to call up sixty thousand troops. You know, it shouldn't have been a problem. I mean, Russia's always maintained a large military for, you know, its population and economic size. You know, I mean, right now they have something like 900,000 troops, but they did not have 60,000 troops in their army that were ready to do battle at the time. And so they had to, yeah, so they got tied up in Chechnya for five years, five and a half years, you know, because they just didn't have the resources to come in strong at the get-go. So there's a very good chance that Russia... Encircling Ukraine, they are relocating valuable resources for a lot of the time. That you know, I mean, they they don't have multiple carrier battle groups to send. They don't have you know the first MEU or the uh, you know sitting in base ready to go at 24 hours notice. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that. So you know, I didn't realize that. I mean, that's why it seemed like our troop buildup was so long for all of these, just it took that long for them to free up the resources and get them where they wanted them. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, I thought, you know, me, I was like, man, I don't know. I don't think he was going for it. You know, he seems to just be hanging around the border. He's probably going to demand some concessions and, you know, and, you know, one of the key concessions he did demand was assurances that Ukraine would never, uh, would never join NATO, which of course the U.S. and the rest of NATO was like, uh, no, we're not going to say that. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if Ukraine was ever going to join NATO anyway. Right. But, you know, we weren't willing to give that concession, but, you know, but, you know, so yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess he was legitimately prepping for an invasion, just to look like it was all in slow motion because, you know, we're used to the speed that our military moves. Yeah. Yeah, because we're quick, or 
I think, yeah. right? Yeah, like quicker than yeah, that. Yeah, we, we, we spend way too much money on our military, but we get our money's worth. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Ukraine was really just a sitting duck because they're really not – are they a part of any kind of coalition? I mean, they don't have – do they have any friends? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're sending them weapons, but we're not going to be sending any troops, you know. Uh, you know, like I said, Ukraine was very much trying to straddle a fine line between Russian and NATO alliances, you know, uh, you know, I mean, really, they kind of wanted to stay out of it, which the work of the government wanted to stay out of it, but the people were mixed, you know, some of them wanted sure. to join NATO and some of them wanted to ally with Russia. Ally with Russia. So, I mean, really, it was just a matter of time before something toppled it one way or the other, you know, just yeah. in this case, it's, you know, uh, insurgency on the eastern provinces, and then Russia rolling in with a load of troops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, Steve, man, I really appreciate it. I, I uh, you're you're always the my go to person that that <laughs> is, uh, you know, keeps up with this stuff and and uh, retains it because I I have I have no idea. All I know is that you know Putin's invading uh, Ukraine, and I don't think that's good. <laughs> no, no, no. So. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the sad thing about it, this is a fact that, about Ukraine that is kind of sad about this whole thing. Ukraine is the only country in the world that's randomly given up its nuclear weapons. Oh, really? Yes, after the fall of the Soviet Union, Ukraine gave up their nuclear weapons. And a good, good, good part of that is because they probably couldn't afford to maintain them. Again, we're talking about an economy the size of Kansas, you know. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, they gave up their nuclear weapons on security assurances from the, from uh, NATO and Russia. And, you know, the sad thing is they're very likely now going to be the last country in the world to give up their nuclear weapons. You know, because I mean, amazing. everybody's going to see we got rid of our nuclear deterrent, and then boom, you know, twenty years later, thirty years later, or you know, a Russian puppet. You know. Yeah. So what? 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 Uh... Does yeah, it's just yeah, it's I, I saw on the news today, which I don't normally watch the news, but I did go to YouTube and just you know watched a few videos, and it just breaks your heart, you know, that some of the the uh, like I just thought I just was thinking like, what if someone you know rolled into Kansas, you know, I'm not on a globe, not on the American level, but just even state, like if you know if Kansas was like, we're taking over Missouri. And, you know, and, and they're just, you know, here I am trying to live my little life and do my thing. And, you know, my building gets bombed and, you know, oh yeah, like, that's just, it's like when I think about Ukraine rather than like a, a, a country, when I think of it, like as people, they're people there just like me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah, that they're, are, they're just, work, going on over there. yeah, I mean, they're, you know, yeah, maybe they're not even that involved. They don't even really know what's going on much because they're a little bit like me where they don't really stay up on all that. And they're just like, what, mm-hmm. what's going on, guys? I'm just trying to, like, run my little restaurant here and just, you know, live my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now bombs are falling. Uh, Military-aged men aren't allowed to leave the country. They're issuing machine guns to any civilian that wants to fight. And, I mean, they would be insane if we didn't do that. You know, it really would. Yeah, it's not something you would expect to see in a modern, in a modern, in a modern country. You know, I mean, uh, 
you know, I mean, there's some parts of the world where that's kind of a normal deal, but I think the reason this is getting a lot more attention from us is because it's the doorstep to Europe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a modern. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like over in right. Iran, Iraq over. I mean, this like, I don't know. It's, it's almost like that. It's uh, how can I say it? It's not as shocking. You know, it's like, oh, of course there's always fighting and crazy stuff going on over there you know, bombs and different, I mean, that just doesn't seem so weird, but then, yeah, when you think of Ukraine or it's like, what? Like they have a city like with buildings and roads and cars. And it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not on camel back, you know, well, riding there, through the there, desert. There are cities and cars in Iran and right 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 but it just a lot of the stuff (laughs) what you see on straight through our cultural filter exactly exactly i mean i'm not i'm not going to be arrogant enough to say i don't have a cultural bias that's favored towards your you know the western culture because you know that's what i grew up in you know right i'm so saturated in that bias it's hard for me to even see it sometimes but you know ukraine actually flips right through that you know because it's it's a european country you know being invaded by another European country, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, I mean, really for, you know, people who have not seen, uh, good Lord, I think the last, you know, I, I think the last real war in Europe was World War II, you know? Wow. Yeah, I mean, so for people who have not seen that in their lifetimes, you know, it's, it's, it's much more alarming. Yeah. You know, because when the two sides of the pitched fighting are, you know, the U.S. Air Force, you know, the U.S. Army and a bunch of tribal leaders in Afghanistan that doesn't have the same resonance as, you know, a conflict involving Russia, Ukraine and NATO. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's what I've, I've done some research on just different countries just to learn, you know, different different places and just to see what their culture is for a little bit. So you can go to those little YouTube things where they, you know, in 15 minutes kind of tell you the culture of a certain area. But what, what's so amazing to me is to see like a rural area or what you you know, like where the peasants live in some countries, it makes our poor area look rich. Like other countries, their poor is mud huts or, or, you know, uh, choreographed, metal or steel just lean together and you know like just i can't even our homeless are better off than the poor in other countries it's just crazy oh yeah no absolutely you know and you know i think that's a lot of the reason this resonates with you know americans is because this is you know the first wide-scale invasion we're seeing where that isn't the standard you know where you know it is you know you know, I mean, the, the scenes you see in the coming out of Kiev, you know, that that could happen in a Midwestern city. You know? Right, right. Yeah, it is. It is really, uh, it's just a wild time, man. And I think on the heels of COVID, which nobody's talking about that anymore. It's like, wait, what? What was that? <laughs> it's amazing how how the 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 media and world would just shift on to the next thing, Steve. Where if it's now that now that okay, COVID, stop talking about that shit. Let's talk about war. It's like wow. Oh, yeah. Well, anyways, we all got Omicron, so we're all mute now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely, man. We're we're all we're all set now. Jeez. 
Well, man, I, I appreciate your time, Steve, and uh, enjoy your kids today and have fun at work. All right. Well, you, you have a good day, too. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, there you go. My my friend Steve with, with some updates and a little bit of history on uh, the Russian, R- Ukrainian, um, little bit of little just a little bit of backstory for the for those that listen to the Timmy Gibson show. All right, guys, peace out. <laughs>